Well, last week, some of you might have noticed, hopefully you didn't, that Elaine and I were away. We missed chapel. But we were working in Germany, and we bring you greetings from about 18 schools that came in for this little summit that we hosted at Black Forest Academy. Now, that's kind of hometown for you, isn't it, Joel? Yeah, there you are. It's hard to see with the light there. But yeah, greetings from all of your friends at, at Black Forest. And in the group that showed up were Morrison Academy, Hillcrest Academy, Bingham Academy, Rainforest, Faith, Grace, all these different. Uh, anyway, Santiago, Dalit, Seoul, Roslyn, and then there were some international Christian schools, I think, of Hungary and China. There were a total of 18. And then Rift Valley Academy showed up sort of the day after um, as they were traveling through. So that was cool to run into them as well. So greetings from all of these different high schools, and we were there to talk about Bible education, Bible in education, and Christian formation with them. How do they do it? How do we do it? And how could we all do it better together? And of course, it was a way of helping get our name onto their radars because we want some of their students to come here. So Joel, I happened to watch three guys play basketball on Friday night. I'm sure you missed those home games. They were good, weren't they? Black Forest. Joseph, Jacob, and Trevor all started. Do you know them? No? Okay. Anyway, if any of you have, um, uh, one of them is coming here. He's a good basketball player, so I'm looking forward to having him here. Um, if any of you have uh, friends at any of these schools or at, at your high schools that you came from and you would like to help us get them in. We have this thing called an alumni referral bursary. Now, by having attended here for this, your, your first year or second, whatever it is, you are now part of our alumni association. We would like you to be inviting your high school friends to come and join us here. This alumni referral bursary is given by you, and it gives them $1,000 against their next year's schooling. We'd like you to give away as many of those as you can to your friends. Help us fill these halls with students. And uh, it's, it is a funded scholarship, so in other words, you're not giving away sort of a, a discount that'll cost us as a school. It's actually funded by a donor, and we'd love to give a lot of those away and fill these halls. Al is our speaker. It's a delight to have you here, Al. You are a great friend. For those of you who don't know him, he is a youth ministry expert. Uh, spent 22 years at one church in Kelowna, Trinity Baptist where he helped their youth group grow phenomenally. And then he had, after that, he decided, I'll take a second career and come help others do the same thing. And that's why our youth ministry program has been so strong. He's now helping promote the school and get our name out there, and he'll do that well, too. It's my privilege to pray for Al as he comes up. Father, we thank you for Al. We thank you for his teammate, his team partnership. We thank you for the love he has for you, the love he has for these students and the love he has for us as a school. We pray that you'd fill him to overflowing with your spirit now, that he would be able to bring your word and we would hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. You are an intimidating group. Did you know that? Almost every speaker that comes says, this group is intimidating. And so, you know, it's good. Now I don't feel so intimidated. Well, we have been talking about prayer, and this has been called a house of prayer kind of throughout the semester. So we've had different aspects of prayer, right? Like, what are some of those? 
in pregnant her prayer. I like that one. <laughs> I do too, especially when I don't like somebody. What are some other aspects? What did we do last week? Uh, that was only a week ago. It was out of Ephesians. Ralph, Dr. Ralph Corner talked about it. I wouldn't classify it as that, but there's three M's. Okay, we should just go home now because nobody's going nobody's gonna to remember this message next week, I can tell. Uh, it was on motivation, uh, ministry and meditation, those kinds of things. Uh, today, we want to begin to look at another little Old Testament prayer that's kind of tucked away in Scripture. It's found in... Um, 1 Chronicles 4, 10, 4, 9 to 10. So if you want to grab your whatever mechanism you use these days to look up Scripture, you just grab that and you can punch in 1 Chronicles 4, verses 9 and 10. And I'm sure that Paul, Paul would have read, known this passage as well when he wrote Ephesians because I think it's a really kind of a mirror of last week's uh, passage that we went through in many ways. Now, some of you have been in my ST100 classes, and so what is one thing I challenge you to do in that class? Who? Measurize Ephesians, that's one of them, yes. Uh, what else? I challenge you to pray a prayer that only God can answer. Why? Because I truly believe that your faith and my faith is built one answered prayer at a time. Now, he doesn't answer every prayer because that would be a little crazy, and then he would be like a puppet instead. And he knows better than you and I a lot of times what we need, but I really challenge you to pray a prayer that only God can answer because when he does, it builds our faith stronger and stronger. And so if you can say, he answered this prayer, he answered that prayer. I had students call me up uh, three to five years later and say, Al, guess what? And I'm going like, mm, I, I, what's your name again? I've had 280 other students since then. Uh, and they'll say, you wouldn't believe it, but God answered that prayer today. today. And so they actually email or, or uh, call me directly and just kind of say, you won't believe God answered that prayer. And that's why I challenge you to pray a prayer that only God can answer. Because prayer is powerful, and we, we abuse prayer a lot. We really do as individuals. And so I think that it's important for us to really kind of look at, there's a lot of prayers throughout Scripture. There are prayers throughout, uh, in fact, I have a book that's as thick as the Bible. It says all the prayers in Scripture, so I'm figuring out how does that work. But if you want to stand with me as we read through First Chronicles chapter 4, starting in verse 9. We could start in verse 5, but... What Chronicles is, is just a whole list of names, endless names that who is related to who and who and who and who. And so uh, I went to Carmen this week and said, can you pronounce these for us? And uh, she said, oh, a breeze, no problem. And so I'm just going to skip all those names because they, they start at the beginning of Chronicles. But then there's this little prayer tucked in the middle of this, and it says, therefore, there was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel 
Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted his request. It says in the beginning there, he was named Jabez because his mother, he was so painful in birth. Each one of you caused pain in your mother's. You need to turn to each other and however you want to do it because sometimes it was high five, but that's a little old school. Sometimes it was like this, and you could say that. Sometimes it's just like uh, one of our students said, you should do this. Or it could just be a dab, whichever you would like to do, but you turn to the person next to you and say, you're a Jabez. All right, have a seat, you bunch of Jabez's. <laughs> well, it was in the 90s when I first heard this prayer kind of preached on and shared on. And in the 90s, it was by a, name, a guy named Bruce Wilkinson, and he, he preached and he kind of shared this message. And I really kind of listened to it and thought, this is, this is a cool message. This is kind of a challenge to me. Um, and so the whole idea of the prayer of Jabez became meaningful to me. But then in the mid-90s, what happened? Any mid-90s? You guys are way too young. You were born in the mid-90s, late-90s probably. Mid-90s, they did this thing that was like the prayer, prayer of Jabez for everybody. It was the prayer of Jabez for children. It was the prayer, prayer of Jabez for single people. It was the prayer of Jabez for moms, for dads, for grandparents. They, they, they killed it. In other words, they overmarketed a little prayer of less than one verse in Scripture, and they wrote multiple books about it. So if you want to Google Prayer Jabez books, you will find a gazillion of those that were all written. And it's really sad because sometimes we take something so good and we destroy it. And I think that's what happened with the Prayer of Jabez. And then pretty soon it became the Health and Wealth Prayer of Jabez. And, and so the uh, people just distorted it all over the place. Prayer Jabez is not a magical prayer. It's not a mystical prayer. It's not one that um, is going to revolutionary, revolutionize your life. Maybe it will. Um, but it is a prayer that I think, again, goes back to even what's found in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And it's about humility and about seeking God and about asking God to do something specific in your life. It's a humbled posture before God that, that has to kind of surround this whole prayer in the middle of Scripture, in the middle of Chronicles. It's saying to God, help me. Help me to be the person you want me to be. What is one of the banners that we have out in our courtyard? What does it say? We are here to meet the greatest needs of you? No, it says the world. Go read it. It's out there on your way back. You look up a little bit. You'll see those blue banners. But the whole idea is we're here to meet the greatest needs of the world. And as individuals, we're called to meet the greatest needs of the world. That we go away from here being changed and transformed. 
This morning, I want to take, I, I want to take it for granted. I want to, that didn't sound right. Uh, I don't want to take for granted that you would like to, if you could look at the person again next to you, just take a look. They're there. Now, if I could give you something that would help you to be just a little bit better than that person, would you want it? <laughs> you are less sinful and carnal than I am. I would say yes. I want to be a little bit better than that person over there or a little better than that person. Now, you that are on sports, you would probably look around the sports thing and say, I just want to be better than that person. I don't want to be the last person sitting on the bench. I want to be better than that person. And sometimes it's just that little difference in life that makes us all unique. And it doesn't take a lot sometimes to make that difference. How many of you like eating waffle ice cream cones? The rest of you, you're deprived. <laughs> waffle ice cream cones are the best. It's the best way to have your ice cream. Now, do you know how waffle cones were made and why they were made? I don't know. I don't, it's clueless to me, too. No, there's actually a story behind it. There's a guy who was at the World's Fair in 1960 back in Seattle and in the 60s, and he, he ran out of plates and bowls to serve his ice cream. And so he was sitting there going, I don't know what to do. There is not a plate left in this town. I am stuck. I have tons of ice cream and nothing to serve it on. So he's laying there at, in bed at night, and he has this idea. How many of you ever have a great idea when you're trying to sleep? You know, just get up and write it down. It's easier than tossing and turning for half the night. But he got up. He got up. She reacted to it and said, I'm going to get up. He, he, I'm sure his wife thought he was crazy. He got up, made a batch of waffles. And then he said, huh, what if I take my wife's iron and flatten these out? Maybe I can make a plate. So he took his wife's iron and began to iron waffles. I'm sure his wife was not impressed the next morning. He began to do this thing and make his waffles. But what happened was as they cooled, they curled. And he thought, what am I going to do with this mess? I can put ice cream in it. I could sell ice cream waffle cones. That's how it started. A very small idea, a bit of a dilemma, and he said that can make a difference. I believe sometimes that little bit can make a big difference in our own lives. A little idea can turn things around for all of us. If you look in your Bible, this is the very first part of this phrase in 9. It says this, Oh, that you would bless me. When's the last time you prayed that and said, God, bless me? Bless me. It seems selfish. It's great to pray for our missionaries, and it's great to pray for other people. But it says here, he said, oh, that you would bless me. And I think it's okay to say, God, use me to make a difference in this world. Bless me. And so... Those are hard things to do. Now, Bruce tells this story, and it's just too good not to tell you today. So, he has this, he's working at a Bible college, kind of like us, and he said, this girl comes into his office and sits down, and she's looking pretty down and pretty low. And she says to him, um, Bruce, um, Mr. Wilkerson probably, uh, I have a friend who has this problem. 
I have a friend who's really lonely. Let me tell you, that's the first sign that we would say, you have a problem. <laughs> You're the lonely one. And that's what he said. Are you lonely? Yes. Oh, he says, why are you so lonely? He says, I, well, I just don't have any, anybody to date. And I, I feel like I need a date to feel like I, I want to be. He said, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you need to pray for yourself. So here's the yearbook. He says, take it out. Identify three people that you would want to date. So she did. I brought it along just in case any of you want to check it out later. The banquet is only in two days. Um, but she did that. And he immediately said, I just messed up. <laughs> he called his wife and said, dear, pray for us because I think I just really messed up. And a week went by, and all of a sudden, this girl came bounding into his office with all smiles on her face, and he says, how's it going? He said, oh, it's great. It's awesome. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, those people you told me to pray for, two of them have asked me out. I have two dates. He said, great. He, she said, well, there's one other problem. He says, what? what? She said, well, I told all the other girls in the dorm, and they're all praying it now. So... Now, let me make myself clear. It doesn't say anywhere in my Bible that if you pray and ask the Lord for a date, that he'll give you one, okay? So just, just so you have that clear. But in this case, he answered her prayer in a very significant way. And I think sometimes we just need to turn to God and say, Lord, between me and you, I need your help. I need your help. I'm asking you to bless me. Jill Briscoe wrote a book called Here Am I, Sent Aaron. I encourage you to read it uh, because it goes through Moses' life. And Moses, you know, was called by God and said, go do this. And he said, uh, not me, send Aaron, take him. And, and sometimes we give all those kinds of excuses. But in that book, she talks about we are blessed to be a blessing. We have been given so much. We have a faith in Jesus Christ. We need to share that with others. And I think that that's, if we are kind of saved to serve that we are there to help others. And so I think Bruce kind of brings that together in some ways in his own little story about the girl who came into his office. Now, I really want to challenge you to think through all those things that happen in your life and say, God, thank you for these things. Help me to be that blessing to others. Part two of the prayer, though, goes into this. If you say, after it says, bless me, it says, expand my territory. Expanding my territory. What does that mean to expand his territory in his language, in his setting? That means give me more land, give me more space, more influence that others would see me as being blessed by you. So give me more, he says, not give me less. Oftentimes we feel like we're too busy. We don't need more. We need less in our lives. But in this case, he's saying, give me more. Allow me to kind of, you know, look for blessings from God and expand my territory. A lot of times, we kind of hold back. We have a limited vision of what God could really do with our hearts and our lives. When I was... In 1988, 
long time ago. When I went to a church and I said, I want to know what you're doing in youth ministry. And I went to this church that had five different locations. And they were multiplying churches every five years and starting a new one. And I thought that was pretty cool. And I wanted to know how they were doing their youth ministry. And we're sitting over lunch in this, and we had just built this sanctuary that seats 1,200 people. And I thought, that's pretty cool. Uh, and she said, so what are you praying for? I said, well, we're praying that it would be filled. And she said, cool, but why only once? And I'm like, well, that's a good point. Maybe we should be praying that that should be filled two and three times and expand our territory even larger. Now, when you're only a church of 500, to think of doing that two or three times is a little bit crazy. But I think you open your heart and say, God, what would you like to do? This little prayer, like I said, I read in the 90s. And what I'm about to tell you is a story I don't think I've told anybody and not even my youth men students, and they've heard every story I have. They can probably tell you those. Um, so what it was, was I began to pray this prayer and said, Lord, would you bless me and enlarge our territory? Would you expand our ministry? Now, we were doing okay in ministry at that point. But as the doors blew open, and God blew those doors open, not me, God did, we began to do uh, assemblies in front of high school crowds of 1,800 people. Throughout that year and the next years that following, we probably had 10,000 students that we were in front of on a regular basis a couple times a year. Pretty amazing in one little town called Kelowna. It was awesome. It was great. And, and we ended up having six out of seven high schools coming and graduating from our platform in our church, making lifelong memories. All those kinds of things were happening because God was at work expanding our territory. And I really believe that he blew those doors open. And it wasn't because I was some kind of great youth pastor. I think it was because I was willing to say, Lord, you take control. You expand our territories. And he did. And it's cool to see that when that happens. And it's so exciting to be a part of that. Now you, as individuals, what's your mentality? Where are you at in this whole process? What are you willing to say to God? Bless me and enlarge my territory that I might be seen as the prayer goes on, that I might be seen as worthy of you. You need to understand some things. One thing is you're all going to go into different careers. What are some careers you're hoping to go into? Wake them up. <laughs> what are some careers you're going to go into? <laughs> I've been known to do that in my class too. So, what, what do you want to do? No idea, okay. What do you want to do? Camping ministry. What do you want to do? Nursing. <laughs> You're just saying, oh, that's her, not me. <laughs> what do you want to do? Nursing. Aviation. Trans Translation. I thought you said transmission. Uh, okay. Those things can happen. All of us will have different things we do, whether it's a doctor, a nurse, a, a farmer, we all have a mission to accomplish. We are all called to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Remember your job? Your job is just a stepping stone to your ministry. It's not the end. It's the beginning. So take whatever job you do, change the world that you're living in around you. Share the ministry that God has called you to. In a sense, we are all ministers. In a sense, we're all missionaries. If you've asked Jesus Christ into your life, you are a missionary. 
You are to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Wherever he takes you, whatever he does. And who knows where that will be. I never thought I would be here. Uh, most of my classmates never thought I'd be here. <clears throat> they remind me of that once in a while when I see them. Like at my grad reunion from high school, and they're like, you're a what? You're a pastor and a professor? You are not the smartest person in our class, if I remember right. I'm like, thank you very much. But there's a God, and he is in control, and so that is important. Now, remember one thing. When, whose territory are you taking when you expand your territory as a believer? Whose territory are you taking? Satan's. Satan doesn't like us, in case you didn't know that. We are in a battle with him. And when you get your territory expand, he is going to turn up the heat. He is going to turn up the heat on you as an individual and you as an organization. Why? He doesn't like you. He doesn't like you expanding God's territory here on earth. And so he's going to come after you tougher than ever before. Most believers never get to that point. Because until you get to that point of actually taking Satan's territory, he doesn't really worry about you. You can have your own individual faith. That's cool. Just go sit in the corner over there and have your relationship with God. But don't tell anybody else. When you start telling other people, the heat is going to go up. So be prepared. You don't have to study history, church history, too long to see that there are some people that were very blessed by God that fell very badly because they didn't do the next part of this verse, which it says, please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. Another translation would say, keep my hand in your hand. In other words, when the heat gets turned up, there's a couple things that are going to happen. Number one, when he blesses you, your territory expands. What happens when your territory expands? A lot of times it's like, I'm in over my head. I can't do this. Why am I even thinking this? Why, God, is this is happening? And what happens to us, then we can say, God, I need you now more than ever. I think our president can probably attest to that. When he was a student, I don't think he sat here saying, pick me for the next president. Uh, I don't think, like Ted, he wanted to be the next student body president. So, you know, he just said, here, pick me. But for Mark, I'm sure he said, I'm, going, I'm out the door. I'm gone. And we get in over our heads and we have to say, God, you brought me to this point. Now you take care of me. You help me to do these things. Help me to keep my hand in your hand. I think it's so important as our territories get expanded that we remember that. Look at the sequence one more time. First, bless me. When God starts to bless you, your borders are enlarged. Number two, as your borders grow, you will start to feel that you can't handle it. When you realize you can't handle it, you keep, you, you begin to count on God more and more. And when you can't, uh, when you count on God uh, and his blessings and keep your hand in his hand, guess what happens? And that's when Satan tackles you again. But, it says at the very end, and God granted his request. God granted his request. And I think that that's a key for all of us. 
that as we cry out to God, as we ask him to spend our territory, as we put our hand in his hand, he honored that. Why? Because their heart was right. Their heart was right with God, and we're allowing him to take control. So, in this prayer, I challenge you to think through it, pray through it, talk to God through it, and let him lead and guide you into those things. Now, recently I was at a, a conference where they gave out challenges, random challenges, and they said, if you want a challenge from God, you want to see him answer a prayer, that's what I challenge you to do, pray a prayer that only God can answer, why? To build your faith. They put a whole bunch of things across the front of the stage and said, pick one. If you trust God to challenge you, go ahead and pick one. This little girl goes up and says, I really want to do this. I really want to follow Jesus. I really want to follow you, God. I really want to do what you want me to do. She pulls one out and it says, run a marathon. She's a little girl about five foot two and about 200 pounds. She's like, God, I can't do this. What are you thinking? She went back to her small church and said, I was at a conference. I pulled this out, and this is what I got. What am I going to do with it? They said, well, I think we should get behind you and help you do this. And so they appointed someone to get up and run with her in the morning, someone to work out at the gym with her, some people to pray for her, held her accountable, and within six months, she ran a marathon. That's amazing. That's crazy. Praying crazy prayers is crazy. But God just might answer them. And then what do you do? So what I've done is put about 20 different things in this bowl. A what? You never know what's in my bowls. When you come into my class, you never know what's going to happen. When you finish my chapel, you never know what will happen. But if you feel like you want to, and I have the worship team come on up, if you feel like, I want a challenge because I need a challenge in my life. Yes, you have two more weeks to finish your papers, and that might be enough challenge for some of you. But I'm going to sprinkle these out, and if you feel as they're singing this last song, uh, that you want a challenge from God or Al, because I wrote them. Um, but I think they were inspired by him because I prayed. So you can't read it first and throw it back, okay? You got to just take the one it's divine appointment. It's like little snowflakes. Lord, we thank you for your love your care for us. Help us as we strive to know you better, to serve you better, to share your love better with those that are around us. So Lord, would you bless us? Would you help us to keep our hand in your hand? And would you expand our territory, our influence for you and your kingdom's work here and wherever you send us? Amen. I thought this one principle I teach in youth ministry, never ask your students to do something you're not willing to do. So I took one as well. Have a great week.